Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Playoffs are in the book, Liam. You've got another week to sit and, and not watch any uh, Green Bay Packers. Are you you looking forward to uh, to everything to come? I'm not forward to another bye week. Looking forward to another bye week. Um, I think that although it's good for the players to get a bit of a rest, I want to see more Packers games. So, um, but it is what it is. I, I'm not going to moan too much because you and our guests, I'm sure you're going to introduce in a little while. We're talking about only having a 17 game season, so I can't moan of having more than 17 games. Yeah, that, damn straight. I'm not sure you're ever allowed to moan about making the playoffs. <laughs> when it, I think well, what we know is it. I think it's 11 years since the Jets last made the playoffs. So, uh, so yeah, so shut up, Randy. But uh, as as Liam alluded to, I am very proud to uh, to again introduce another fantastic guest. We are joined by Danny Roberts, who uh, some of you may know as at Dynasty Dan One or Dynasty Danny, depending on how you look at it. Um, he is the final quarter of the Five Yard Dynasty team, Danny. Welcome. Is this, I've got this wrong last week, so I'm, I'm feeling pressure, but this is your second show, right? It's my second show, the first with the new setup where you get to see my lovely Goltonian <laughs> face. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've come up in the world, but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be here and see you guys again. No, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on. And um, so Danny, for those that, that don't know, I mean, I guess how, how did you kind of fall into the, the fancy football world where where did you first start playing um so i mean i've alluded to it a few times i think but it started off with the uh, uh, we've, we've talked about it rich where you used to sign um your name down write it in the newspaper send off your english football teams and have to do your transfers the same way um but when fantasy football 
the real football, as I like to call it, this football, um, came to the UK. It was just something that I really wanted to do. So I was joining leagues with people I didn't know, joining the NFL official leagues. And nowadays, there's just so many opportunities to do so, whether it's going through DFS, DraftKings, those sorts of things, or the home leagues of which Sleeper seems to be nailing the market down with at the minute, which I really enjoy. Um, so I'm just in quite a few of those now. I'm making, it's strange, but making friends all over the world by playing a game which um, and being able to write about and talk about a game within a game, which is um, <laughs> a really privileged place to be. Yeah, it's amazing. I think, you know, I, I, I sort of, I guess, got into the, the kind of the fantasy world sort of three three years ago or so. And it's amazing. You know, I've, I've made genuine lifelong friends, as you say, just out of being in, in random leagues that you join in Twitter and, and then you become great friends and, you know, people, other content producers around around the globe really is is properly properly mind blowing um and how, how did you make that step from fancy football fan to kind of fancy football creator um so i studied sports journalism i've always been involved in in sport whether that's marketing media content in one way or another um and i wanted to put all the chats that i was having with people that i could tell weren't that interested in my football passion namely my girlfriend um, who wasn't interested in what my thoughts were about this week's um, fantasy teams. And likewise, when I got in our home league, we get the, the big gaudy rings because, Love as that. they say in draft day, um, one of the most masculine sports in the world, but what they win is a piece of jewellery. But I've got my <laughs> ring on the on the side next to my American football light, and my girlfriend hates that I have that, but I just keep reminding her that she lives with a winner now. So what, what are we going to do? If you win your fantasy, you've got to shout about it. It's a big achievement. Yeah. Um, so I, I managed to, I was starting to listen to you guys and read a lot of your stuff, reached out and lucky enough to be given the platform to, to work alongside you. Um, people won't have seen me pushing some stuff out because as, as Rich and Liam know, I took a leave of absence to kind of work on some mental health stuff. Um, and I just wanted to say on record that these guys and the rest of the five yard, you'll hear us talk about five yard as being a family, but the support that I received from guys that I've met on calls like this and, and talked football with um, just felt like real, real friends. And it did feel like a family. So I just wanted to extend my thanks to you and, and make sure that the, the listeners viewers know that it's a really great group behind the scenes. They're not just great analysts and, and good football guys. No, I really appreciate that, Danny. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic that you can, you know, talk openly. I think it's something that uh, us as us as men, us as a fantasy football community, us as a you know a general public don't talk about enough. So it's you know it's been fantastic to you know see you come work, work through this, and and it's fantastic to have you on board. And as you said, be part of that family. It's 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 a truly um, unique experience for me. Certainly, I'm I'm now what we just over a year since I joined the Five Yard Family, and uh, yeah, honestly. It's uh, it's one of the best decisions I ever made. So uh, so yes, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to have you as as part of that. Um, it's it's difficult transition now to go from that to talking to Liam talking about alcohol. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just basically gonna fail the link and go Liam. It's it's time for cocktail of the week. 
I was going to say, there's not much of a transition there, Rich. <laughs> I was trying to so, be smart and think up some sort of... If, if I felt like I, I came into this feeling really happy and excited to be back, and then I remembered that I'm a Vikings fan that's missing out in the playoffs, and Liam is a Green Bay fan that's entering the playoffs. And I don't mind teams <laughs> entering the playoffs as long as that's not Green Bay. And now I'm, I'm feeling slightly down again, but oh. I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll be cheered up with Cocktail of the Week. You must have been miserable with the past decade then with the amount of Packers playoffs. Sorry, I'll just, just carry just on with the uh, cocktail. Fan. I'm miserable for the past decade. <laughs> I'll carry on with cocktail of the week to try and cheer you up, Danny. So <laughs> this is a summer cooler. We're not in summer, but I needed something summery today. It is just orange juice, cranberry juice, and amaretto. It's very easy to make. I didn't even have to measure it. I just knew the parts and you put it all in. It's actually really easy. It just tastes really nice as well. By, by you didn't have to measure it so basically you just poured a load of alcohol in a glass and made it look pretty yeah, and basically yeah once, you, once just, it you looked, just count once it looked pink you were you were happy to go yeah of course yeah as soon as it's pink just to annoy you yeah fantastic and uh and not nice fresh refreshing on this nice cold winter's evening it is it is indeed and um, as i said needed something summery because i'm missing the summer sun it's it's way too rainy and drizzly at the moment. So you live, you live in the Midlands. I'm not sure what you're expecting. <laughs> I don't get to get to a, go to a beach at all. I have to like travel a few hours to get to one. See, anyway, this is, this is why can... you should come and come and come and move down south. I get to go to the beach every day. I went for a run along the beach at lunchtime. Oh, here we go. Look at you. To take on cocktails like that, though, if you live by the beach. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. <laughs> right. So, moving on, significant news as it's uh, week 18 or week 18 has just ended. There's not a whole lot of news. First of all, Cam Akers is back, guys. He's come back after an Achilles injury. And honestly, he didn't look great. But against that run defense, it, I don't know what you're expecting. Five rushes for three yards, yeah, and and he's coming back off an injury that normally takes people over a year to come back from properly and get back to full speed. So for him to even be on the field at this point is insane to me. One hundred percent. You know, we're what five months removed from him I doing it, it and yeah. normally you're. A, a, you know, a year before you get back on the field, and probably eighteen months to two years before you look like yourself again and the fact that he's back in five months even on an nfl field is absolutely mind-blowing um and you know now he's back it doesn't matter really what he does over the next couple of weeks but he's going to have a full off season now to to get back into full shape ready for for next season hopefully we get to see a lot more of him going through the uh playoffs or the rams will be one and done and the cardinals are all bounce them out and i'm sure paul Pickham will be very happy about that now lewis won't be so what what's great with the Cam Akers thing as well is the fact that I don't think anyone well no one expected him to come back at all no one expected him to come back and make any big waves this season but the fact that he's coming back from what usually is a horrific injury at the back end of a season to be able to like get back on the field know what that's like feeling again rather than having a full season a full off season and then that first game feeling quite timid and afraid of his own body I think it's going to really stand him in good stead. And I, I'm likewise, I want to see what he can do next year with that full full off-season behind him. It's a great point because I think that, you know, you listen or read anything that any sportsman say about injuries. is It's not the rehab, it's the nervousness around that that kind of first, that first game back or first, you know, 
step back onto that performance field. You know, you can practice as much as you like, but until you're in a game scenario, take that first hit, you're never truly back, are you? So he's done that already. Hopefully, you know, he gets a couple of weeks of of some game time and, and can get back to what we hoped he'd be at the beginning of the year. But now he's got a whole off-season. I'm, I'm really, you know, quite shocked that he's recovered this quickly, but, but really pleased about him going forward. The only other bit of news that I've got, guys, is it was Black Monday yesterday. Um, so for those of you that don't know, a lot of coaches get fired on Black Monday. It's normally the Monday after the season ends. So quick rundown. You've got the Vikings, Danny. I don't know how you feel about this. Both um, Mike Zimmer and the GM have gone. Okay with this. Um, I think Zim was getting a bit spiky towards the end. Um, we, I didn't really know what our direction was. We we struggled on, on D and that was his kind of bag and he was play calling there. Offense should have been better but there was times where we were scoring a lot of points but we didn't know how many we concede I think going in a different direction is is going to be good Spielman I'm a little bit upset about just because he feels like he's part of the furniture but it does mean that we can look forward to not trading back for 18 picks in the fourth round <laughs> and we can just pick where we're supposed to pick so we'll see what happens it's it's exciting but a lot of change although the Wilfs are saying not a huge restructure or rebuild so we'll see which direction they go. Is there any particular, I know there's not names being fr- thrown around at the moment, is there any particular name that you, you'd love to come see in? I would love to move to a more offensive mind and I think Kellen Moore would be nice to see. Um, he's only 32 though, which would be the youngest head coach. Well, there's players that we're playing this week that have got about <laughs> 10 years on him. So um, it'd be a big, big step, but the, the way he's transformed sort of the Cowboys and, and their, because um, obviously Liam, you'll have views on, on how much the current Cowboys head coach um, <laughs> is, as a coach. Um, but yeah, I think Kellen Moore has really, really made that offense spark. So I'd love to see what he could do with players like Jefferson and, and Cook and when Irv Smith comes back, because um, the focus has been on, on defense for quite a while now and we've got a really potent offense so speaking about um head coaches and gms going at the same time the bears fired both matt Nagy and ryan pace the gm um and then the only other firing as of today is brian flores from miami so that takes the total number of head coach vacancies up to six with the broncos the jags and the raiders also added to that list from in-season firings Guys, is there any one of those that you would take over everything else? I think it's difficult to sit here and say that's that's the best job because I think it depends what you're looking for. I think if you're, uh, um, you know, you, you're looking to get two, three years out of a, um, your, your first gig as such, probably you'll look at something like the Jackson Jaguars. You know, you've obviously got Trevor Lawrence. They've got the first pick. They've not got much else. So I think you can probably convince ownership that you need two, three years to, to really kind of test your metal. But for me, I've, I've, I'm really intrigued by what the Raiders do. I know that there's talk that they might might keep um, Pitboss on for, for a little bit longer. Um, but I think if, if they can go out and get a big name, you know, they've got a what I consider a top 10 NFL quarterback in Derek Carr. The defence has really taken big steps this year. I think if, if you can address that offensive line and maybe add in, you know, a 
either a, a, a potentially another deep threat to replace Henry Ruggs. I think that's a really interesting offense um, and a really interesting team that that should potentially be playoff bound. But obviously, the the concern is you've got Mahomes and, and Herbert four times a, a year, which uh, is probably not perhaps the most appealing. What about you, Danny? Is there any that you, you particularly love? I going to the Raiders quickly. I think any Raiders fans deserve just some stability and and to know where they're going. The fact that they've managed to put together the the season that they have with all the off-field, well, tragedies in some cases, um, dramas in others. Um, Yeah, as you said, Derek Carr really stepped up this year and looked really good. Um, So that's that's one. It's it's tough. Going, Going to Miami as well, I feel like Brian Flores has been harshly treated. I don't know what you guys think, but it's yeah, it's it felt like a rough fire in there, um, and he managed to turn around what looked like a diabolical team at the start of the season into not a great team, but a, a serviceable team, which proved it had quite a few good moving parts. So that's something I'd be interested in. If I'm sitting here looking at what jobs are available as a Vikings fan, I'm taking the Vikings. But I think as a non-Vikings fan, that is a team that's either set up to win now or can do a really really good job over the next couple of years and build into a, a decent challenging side. I think with Miami, you, you could spin that story either way. And I think that's a, a massive thing. So Flores, for those that don't know, had three losing seasons, missed the playoffs, um, and they were meant to be the up-and-coming team. And then the Bills took over as the up-and-coming team in the AFC East. But then when you drill down into it, he was 24 wins to 25 losses in his overall tenure as the Miami head coach. And he only just missed the playoffs twice in those three years. It's not like he was a horrendous head coach from from those, those point of views, at least. Um, I, I think I've heard reports of things where, where the team wasn't overly happy with him. And I think firing him as the head coach but not the GM says a lot about the firing to, but as a personal point of view anyway. I think it's an interesting thing for the the Tua situation. I know there's been a few reports that there were some F-bombs from Tua directed at Brian Flores in the last couple of weeks and I think that you know if you're Tua I'm not sure I ever get over being given the starting job then being pulled several times for Ryan Fitzpatrick in your oh, really when you're a franchise quarterback. And I think that if I'm two, or I've, I've probably never never got over that. I mean, I don't know if that says a lot about me as a person that I'd never get over something like that, whereas uh, perhaps a professional athlete should. But I think that once he started doing that, it was it was always going to be difficult between him and, and Tua's relationship. And I think if, if Miami are saying kind of is the guy for, for next year, which I think is kind of what they're saying. Um, then I, I, I guess they needed to pick one of them. I couldn't see them the kind of surviving both as such. But I think um, the only reason you want it, or the only reason you couldn't get over Flores basically sitting tour is because it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think if it was any other quarterback, you'd been fine with it. But because it was Ryan Fitzpatrick, you just couldn't stand it. But exactly. But if you're if you're a high drafted. You know, no, I, I get what you mean. Back. I do like, get what you like... mean, but it's still funny that it it was Ryan Fitzpatrick of all quarterbacks for you to yeah. pick up on. Yeah, but it's like if um, Matt Nagy had given Justin Fields the job and then benched him for Andy Dalton. Like that would have, I would never have forgiven, you know, Matt Nagy if I was 
Justin Fields, quite frankly. But enough enough talking about head coaches. Let's let's dive into the main main bulk of the reason we're here. So uh, we're continuing our dynasty positional review. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to run through kind of the top twelve um, finishers at the position for this year, plus a, a couple of kind of notable other options, um, and basically talk through what we think about them, their their kind of dynasty value going forward, and, and where we kind of sit on them. So uh, we'll start at the top in what has been perhaps the most mind blowing season I think I've ever seen from a receiver. Um, I think you know some of the Calvin Johnson years in in the sort of ten years ago were perhaps up there, but um, I'm not sure. You know, we we expected that from Calvin Johnson. I'm not sure anyone expected this from Cooper Cup. So, Danny, coming to you, Cooper Cup wide receiver one on the season. Wide receiver one, I think, in terms of yards, receptions, touchdowns. What what are you doing with him from a dynasty perspective moving forward? Um. I was trying to buy Cooper Cup hard before this season in every league that I had. I picked him in pretty much every best ball I was in and all my dynasty leagues I was trying to get him. I didn't. I can't sit here and say I knew he was going to have the season that he had. <laughs> I just thought that Stafford was going to be a, a huge upgrade and, and find him um, a lot more than Goff was doing. Um, I think at this stage, I, I don't know what you could say his price would be. He's a strange one because he's had the season that he's had He's 28, but he's only got four years in the league. He's quite a, He's got less tread on the tyres than a lot of others. Um, and it's hard to give up on a player like that when he's he's probably one league single-handedly for people. Um, I think he continues on the trajectory he's on. We're going to see a decline next year, I think, because this is a hell of a season. Um, but I don't think by much. I think he'll he'll still be buzzing around this area next year so i'd be keeping him at this point but that's yeah. only because i don't know if i'd be happy with whatever i got for him because i i wouldn't know what that price should be it's a tough one isn't it because i think that you know because he's he's had this insane season you know he's been a solid kind of wide fringe wide receiver one wide receiver two for a few years but to break out in this kind of sense as you said at age 28 it's difficult to go all in and you know he's he's currently the wide receiver six, six in ADP. It's it's hard to get him hired just because of that age piece. I mean, Liam, if if you were a you know a sitting prettier contender for next year, what what would you be willing to go and spend to to kind of go and buy him? Yeah, as, as you both said, it's tough because of the age piece. Um, I potentially go and buy a, a different style piece. Um, one that we're probably going to talk about later is Deontay Johnson that I, I'd be looking at um, potentially getting or even some of the older guys that we're talking about just because their price is going to be cheaper. But um, I think with Cooper Cup, you, you're probably talking over two firsts at this point. I don't think you're getting in for two firsts or anything under that. Um, even though he is 28, he he just had an historic season, didn't he? So um, I think I'd be comfortable two first and a second. I think pushing three first is a bit too much for me. Yeah, I, I think he's he's a really difficult player to move at the moment because I think if you're selling, you're sitting there saying I want at least three firsts, but I'm not sure anybody's paying that for as we said a you know a 28 age 28 wide receiver. I mean, looking looking at ranks here, so he's Liam and I have, have both got him as our wide receiver seven. Danny, you're up at wide receiver three. Um, I mean, 
do you, do you foresee what are we talking two years do you think he's got a third year in there that, that he can keep producing I'm purely looking because I, I balance this out on, on the age because I, I saw the 28 but the fact that he's four years in the league he's got less tread I I think if he keeps his body right and he stays healthy that he can continue to do this if you get sort of Van Jefferson going um, you get I've never been, this is probably going to get me in Rich's bad books, but I've never been a Bobby <laughs> Trees fan. Um, if he... I thought you were going to slander to Atwell then. Yeah, I already thought that's where it was going to be as well. Um, well, I, I can do if that's the way we want the show to go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think that, because all season I kept thinking, look, you know the game plan. Stop Cooper Cup after like game six, game seven. I'm like, you know they get stop him. And nobody could. And I think that was down to because it's the first year that Stafford's been there. So the fact that they built that relationship so quickly and then we'll have even more to go off um, and it being such a good offence. I just think he's got two, three years left. I've got him this high just because I think he wins a couple more leagues if you're looking for a a top receiver that's going to consistently put up points because he's shown this year that it's not just big points, it's consistent big points. And that's something that you don't get with a lot of guys. I mean, his his season finishes, so he's had seven top five weeks. 14 of his 16 weeks, he finished as a top 12. Like, you know, if, if you're getting a wide receiver one, 14 out of 16 weeks, I mean, it, it, you basically can't say enough about how insane this season was. I think, for me, the, the one thing that makes me perhaps a bit more positive on Cooper Cup is I think that, you know, he's not a great athlete. That, and I'm using that in terms of NFL terms. Of course, he is, you know, a fantastic athlete, but he's not a, an elite athlete in the NFL world. And I think that to me, that's almost a good thing as he begins to age because he's not relying on, you know, elite speed or, or you know, that kind of thing to win. He wins because he's a fantastic route runner and he can move all over the field and he does all the little things well. And, and that's the kind of thing that will continue with him over these next few years. Um, so Liam, I'm going to come the wide receiver too. I'm going to come to you first as um, kind of your boy. Um, so Devontae Adams, he finishes the wide receiver two. He's again in a similar range to Cooper Cup. So he's currently the wide receiver five in ADP. Are you concerned that this could be the beginning of the end with Devontae Adams being a free agent, Aaron Rodgers potentially leaving, or do you think it's it's potentially a decent time to buy? you know, one of the the elite wide receivers because people are getting off him because of his age. I think if there is ever a time to buy, it's now because of the, there is a dip with the free agency um, rumours and stuff like that. I've also seen rumours from Packers Twitter that we're going to franchise tag him. Obviously, that is two months away, so we're not going to know any anything like that. But... Um, that there's still a way for Devontae Adams to stay in, in Green Bay and there's still a way for both um, Rogers and Adams to stay in Green Bay. But I am really sceptical about his future. I do have him as my wide receiver three just because I'm so confident about his skills, his route running, etc. that I think if he goes anywhere else, he can still perform in a top 12 capacity. Um, but if he does go and Rogers goes, then I'll be looking at dropping him a little bit. I don't think I'll be dropping him too much, though. 
Danny, you're a little bit lower than consensus on Adams. You've got him as your wide receiver seven. Do you think is is it the Rogers concern? Is it the age? What what's what's the big worry for you? It's yeah, it's a mixture of of the two. I know I've just saved Cooper Cup by saying he's 28 and Adams is 29, but he's got seven <laughs> years in the league. Um, whereas again, there's just a bit more trade. He's been he's been banged up a few times. He, he's taken hits. He knows. He's going to get to that stage now where his body is going to start giving him signs that certain things are going to need to change about his game. If that happens and Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing to him anymore, or I don't think we'll see a Kenny Golladay situation where he goes to somewhere else and just disappears into obscurity because he's a much better player than than that. He's For me, he is one of, if not the best wide out in the league, and it pains me to say that seeing him in the NFC North way too many times um, but he is an unbelievable athlete it's just those concerns about is he going to stay where does he end up is he going to go if Rogers does is Rogers going to be there he's 29 does that I mean I turn 29 tomorrow and my body after a Brit ball season I know about it I know that he's got access to all the trainers and the the nutritionists in the world but he's going to he's going to start feeling it as well so it was purely that um, even if he stays in Green Bay, I would love to see him still be at the top of these lists next year. Um, but my head just says be a bit smarter than that and maybe look at a decline over the coming years. I think he's an interesting one to monitor because I think that for me, unless unless the Packers win the Super Bowl, if we we're heading into the off season, you can guarantee that February March is going to be filled with where's Aaron Rodgers going. And I think that once that starts happening, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Devontae Adams' price plummet. And I think he saw it last year. Exactly. And I think that if we're talking, you know, if he's wide receiver five in ADP at the moment, if I can get him at that like wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine price, I'm, I'm smashing that all day. Because I'm, I'm coming around. I know I've been saying all season, Liam, I've been winding you up that Rogers is gone. But I'm coming around to Rogers potentially staying. Um, and I think if he does, you've got you know a top five wide receiver for for the next couple of years at least. There has been a lot more talk and from Rogers himself as well that kind of points towards him staying. Now th- this is trying to read between the lines, and you probably should never do that with Aaron Rodgers because he's proven time and time again not to do it. But um, he he's done a lot of things over the past few weeks that you could see as him trying to mend that relationship and who knows i could be talking out my my ass here and and no one really knows what's actually happening but um it does seem to be trending in a way where he is staying especially if they do win a super bowl i can't see him just ditching after that but who knows yeah it's hard. i think for me it's hard to see a better situation out there right now um now that might change come february march but i think you know the packers have got top two, three roster in the league and he's he's going to struggle to find something better out there, isn't he? Um, so the wide receiver three on the season was Debo Samuel. Another kind of out of nowhere season. But I'll be honest, this absolutely gobsmacks me. So his current value in ADP is the wide receiver 15. Danny, do you think that he is 
incredibly undervalued at the moment? Do you think he's a risk because we've obviously got this potential quarterback change looming on the horizon? What are you doing with uh, with Debo? I'm. He's a younger Cordarrelle Patterson from this season, Ouch. and I think. Ouch! That's tough, brutal. Tough crowd, Danny. If we look at <laughs> his receiving stats, he had some great games to start the year, and then towards the back end, it was he was used as a a bit part running back, and I think that for San Francisco, that is their game plan. They've always been successful there. I think injuries most of it going down straight away led them to think well what do we do I went hard on Trey Sermon thinking they traded up to get him and then Eli Mitchell comes out of nowhere um, so you just never know what that running back room is going to look like and I think next year they'll get that sorted and they won't rely on Debo as much you've also got the fact that there may be a changing quarterback if he's not his it was Trent Sherfield in preseason, and for his first couple of looks was um, Trey Lance's best friend um, so it, it could be anyone. We don't know who that that go to guy is going to be. I just I don't see it being Debo Samuel. I'm I'm not on that train. And I know you guys have got him in your sort of top twelve, and I left him out completely. Yeah. Um. So if if you've got Debo, Danny, you're I presume you're selling for for whatever you can get. What what would it take to kind of tempt you to to pass on him? I mean, I'm I don't know if I'm selling for whatever I can get. I think I'm going to lean on people that believe he's going to stick around and, and do this for a while and, and he's 25, he's what second year, third year breakout sort of area I think I'd be leaning towards talking up him doing well but from a personal point of view my head just says I don't think he is um, I think you'd get some decent offers out there, especially with some of the points that he's put, there's some games that are bordering on 30 points, one that's surpassed in my leagues um, there's four games where he's gone over 150 yards and that's receiving that's not me pretending he's a running back um so i think you can you can be looking at at first and, and other pieces that you might need i think with a lot of these players especially the aging receivers trying to give those to a team that's ready to to win now if you're on the cusp to get some younger running backs potentially um that may have had a bit of a, a down or off season where they've not shown as much as was expected. I think you could be trading a Debo Samuel, the running back, for an actual running back to come into your team and do a job. <laughs> You're really hammering home this running back theme with I, Debo, aren't you? We drafted Cordell Patterson at the Vikings and never had the Cordell Patterson that he became as a running back. We had him as the Devin Hester wannabe. So there's a little bit of bitterness that I'm taking out on the wrong person here. <laughs> but I can just see history repeating itself. Um, and yeah, I'm going to gonna get out now and i'm just gonna say no let's let's trade let's trade Debo and let me get a running back to to add to my my um challenging team so so Liam, if you're in leagues with danny what, what what are you willing to spend to to go and get Debo? as i think you're a little bit more of a believer shall we say i am a more of a believer than danny because danny just seems like it's scarred by quarter or patterson to be honest but i think with Debo, I share the reservations that I don't know what this offense is going to look like next year. Um, I do think Debo has shown a lot this year. And because of that, especially later on in the season, Kyle Shanahan has found a way to get Debo the ball. Yes, it's been in the run game, 
uh, a lot over the past few weeks. But I think that he's always going to find a way to get Debo the ball, whether that is through wide receiver screens or running like running the ball from the backfield or anything along those lines, little shovel passes, or even short routes for him to go and break off a big yak run. And um, I think he he's always going to have the opportunity with well, Carl Shanahan's the head coach, and I think that's going to stay for a while after he just traded up and um, spending three firsts to go and get Trey Lance. So. I, I do share the reservations, but at the same time, I think Debo is that talented that he will always get the looks. Um, so to answer your question, Rich, I'm probably looking, probably looking at a first and a second, and that's probably me being a bit stingy. Probably you're probably looking at two seconds if you're trying to get anyone um, as a top twelve wide receiver at least in your rankings. Um, but the, the reason I say a first and a second, and probably more more like a mid first and a second, that's probably because I'm still skeptical on Debo. But as soon as I see one game of Debo getting all the looks, I think I'd be all in and I'd be spending two firsts for him at least. So I I think I, excuse excuse I might go on a little rant here, but I think that <laughs> perhaps the dynasty community, perhaps we're almost I think trying to be a bit too perfect in how we're viewing our wide receivers and I think that for me you know and I I had the rant earlier in the year about Cordero Patterson and how after week two we should we should be going in and buying him and you know I think that Debo Samuel is an absolutely unique player in the NFL he is a freak athlete he is a guy that and this 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 phrase gets banded around all the time. You know, I, I'm guilty of it. I used it with Cooper Cup in that he lines up all over the place. But Debo Samuel literally does line up all over the place. And I think that you've seen now throughout an entire season of him being used all over the place. And he's averaged almost 21 points a game. Like he's produced from a fantasy perspective. I think Cole Shanahan knows what he's got in Debo Samuel. And I think that the fact that he is, you know, a 25-year-old that has just finished as the wide receiver three, yet he's currently being valued as the wide receiver 15 in ADP, that for me screams massive bargain. And yeah, if if people are, are concerned about Trey Lance, if people are concerned about him playing second fiddle to George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, great. Because this is a guy that, you know, of every receiver that we're going to talk about, he's he's got the highest racer, which is basically the conversion rate of air yards to actual receiving yards. Um, he's he's at one point three four there. No other player is is above one point three. Um, I think that he can do more with less, and I'm really excited if. Maybe I need to go and send out some more offers quickly before this pod <laughs> gets released. But uh, yeah, I, I think that Debo Samuel, I don't think you're, you can pencil him in as a top three receiver, probably again. But I think if you're getting him at wide receiver two prices, I think he's probably going to be a wide receiver one, you know, over the next two, three seasons. And he's only 25. And I think that that offense is only going to take a step forward when when it moves to Trey Lance and yes there'll be some some hurdles to, to overcome yes there'll be some bumps in the road but this isn't a guy that is so reliant 
on elite quarterback play because of how he gets his points. You know, I mean, he just had Jimmy G. He's not relying on any elite quarterback, but, is he? But at least Jimmy G is, you know, he is an accurate NFL quarterback. He's got a quick yeah. release. He can get the ball out quick. You know, it doesn't matter what quarterback comes in. You know, you could stick Ryan Fitzpatrick in this offense and he can hand the ball off to Debo. He can throw that's screens to praise. Debo. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that people are worried about Trey Lance saying, oh, it could impact Debo. I don't think the offense is going to take a step back as a whole. So I think there's going to be the same number of opportunities there. If Debo Samuel was a, you know, a traditional X receiver who was getting 30, 40% of his targets 20 yards down the field, and he was reliant on that elite accuracy from a quarterback, then yes, I'd be concerned transitioning to Trey Lance and a big change of quarterback and, you know, that the impact that could have on him. But this is a guy that does most of his damage on that short to intermediate, you know, you talked about getting the work in the screen game. You talked about getting the work out of the backfield. Any NFL quarterback can make those throws. Any NFL quarterback can turn around and hand the ball off to Debo. So if if we can get him at a discount this offseason, um, I'm I'm really intrigued. And I think, you know, this, this pod is, is telling me that I need to go out and buy more Debo shares because I certainly don't have enough. I mean, when you're praising him by saying Ryan Fitzpatrick can get in the ball and he'll do well, I think that's all you need to know. That's the seal of approval from Rich. Exactly. There was something great from Rich, though, that my concerns came from the start of the season. He did well because it was when Brandon Ayuk was, well, where was Brandon Ayuk? He was too thin. He was too fat. He was, (laughs) it was a Tuesday. All these different excuses. Kittle got injured as well so he had some big games then when they were looking at receiving it was the running back concern we they were just playing everyone at running back but something you said about Lance there is he will run he'll do a lot more like that but there might be those the short intermediate routes or check downs where you'd want someone like Debo with that explosiveness to actually to make a few plays and you saw me a little bit on the price if you can get him at the prices that you were saying Rich I think I'd I'd be tempted um, I don't think I'm fully swayed, but the rant, <laughs> the rant was um, the rant was very good. So if anyone comes with an offer from Rich, accept it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you, you've made some very very valid points, and maybe it is just the ghost of Cordell Patterson the third that's uh, making me I'll, feel like this. I'll ca- I'll count that as a win, and then we'll move on to perhaps the most. Uh hotly debated topic at the moment it feels like in dynasty circles so the wide receiver four and the wide receiver five on the season i'm going to lump them together because it feels like they're going to spend the rest of their career being lumped together so we've got justin jefferson was the wide receiver four he's currently the wide receiver one in adp Uh, and then jamal chase was the wide receiver five he is the wide receiver two in adp so danny I, f- I feel like as a Vikings fan, I can already kind of read your mind and know where you're going here. <laughs> but where's uh, where's your dynasty wide receiver one? Who would you rather own out of these two? Um, I mean, I didn't listen to the question. I was just grittying in my bedroom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Justin Jefferson, I think he, he really looks the real deal. Um, we saw Thielen having injuries this year. Irv Smith was out. You throw into KJ Osborne and, and Tyler Conklin, who both did Admiral jobs but Jefferson was still putting up points and looking great even though a lot of well any defense we face was kind of focused on him and I think going forward whether we keep Cousins or the new coach and and GM look a different 
Yep. Different way you could do a whole episode on where Kirk Cousins needs to go or ends up. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break some news for you here, Danny. Kirk Cousins is gonna be your quarterback next year. You you might right, bring in okay. a rookie. You might bring in someone else. But with that contract, Kirk Cousins is going nowhere. It was it was wishful thinking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think he's a very accurate quarterback. And when you throw in players like Justin Jefferson, they can either do it after the catch, they can do it down the field. He just looks the real deal. Jamar Chase. Just to touch on them, I think they are going to be lumped together for the for the foreseeable. They seem to be the elite sort of breakouts. Um, Jamar Chase in his first season from preseason when we were told that he couldn't see the ball without the white lines on it like at college and that the ball was too big like an NFL player would have never seen a ball before in his life when he was playing all his life. That baffled me, but I kind of bought into it a little bit. Um, and he started to see big looks down the field from Burrow and it was sort of really deep balls that ran into his yardage. And then towards the back end of the season, he won quite a few playoff slash championship games with like a 50 plus point week when he went over 200 yards and, and did all he did. So, and that's in his rookie season. So I just think I'd take Jefferson just because I've seen more of him. Um, but Jamar Chase just looks like he's going to be head and shoulders above sort of the rest of the, the pack with with JJ going forward. What about you, Liam? Where are you sitting? I see both sides of the argument. So I think um, I spoke to Kev on Twitter not not too long ago. So Kev White from the Dynasty Wildcard podcast, because um, he put out a tweet very similar to what the the, the conversation we're having now. Um, and I responded saying that I think Justin Jefferson is going to be, uh, or is my wide receiver one at least. Um, but I understand both sides of it. So Justin Jefferson has got the extra year in the league, which is where I'm coming from. You've seen it for for a second season, him be a top, a top 12. I think he was top five last year as well. Top five wide receiver or top six at least. Um Whereas with Chase, it's kind of a, a not a one-off, but it is his first year doing it. On the flip side of that, you've got Chase as the extra year. He's younger. Um, he's got the extra year on his contract as well, and he's tied to a quarter, a younger quarterback for a longer time. And sorry, Danny, I don't know whether I need to say sorry for this, but I think Joe Burrow is better than Kirk Cousins. Um, so how about I think, it? How about it? <laughs> so I think. I understand the argument for Chase. The only th- reason that I'm going with Jefferson is the fact that we've seen it two years running now um, and I can't see him slowing down outside of injury, which, uh, as we've spoken about many times before in the past year, Rich, you can't predict them. So there's no point in really thinking about it until it happens. Yeah, and without wanting to sound like I'm just echoing what you guys are saying, I'm, I'm pretty similar. Look, yes, Jamar Chase put up better stats in college where they played together. Jamar Chase, you know, has had a better rookie season than Justin Jefferson did. And Jamar Chase is tied to the college quarterback that he had those, you know, elite records with in college. But I think for me, the reason I lean Justin Jefferson is I think that he is, I think it says a lot about where you play as a dynasty player. And I think that, I think Jamar Chase is going to have those bigger boom weeks but I think that Justin Jefferson is going to be perhaps more consistent. And I think for me, from this, you know, if I'm paying wide receiver one overall prices, I want someone that I can rely on week in, week out. Um, I think if you look at, 
you know, just this season. So Jamar Chase had seven of his 16 weeks finished as a top 24 receiver, whereas Justin Jefferson was at 12. Um, I just think that Justin Jefferson will be a more reliable week-to-week option. Um, They'll probably end up, you know, putting up similar fancy points and it's a case of what would you rather? Would you rather, you know, five absolutely monster weeks you know, six or seven solid weeks and a few terrible weeks, or would you prefer, you know, the majority is sort of good weeks? And and for me, I'd I'd lean the the safety and security and that consistency of someone like a Justin Jefferson. So the wide receiver six on the season, um, a little bit disappointing, I think, um, based on the fact you know this was a preseason dynasty wide receiver one. Um, many people in redrafts wide receiver one, and that's Tyreek Hill. Um, we've obviously seen the 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 battle and the, the challenges that the, the Chiefs offense has had this year. Danny, do you think it's, you know, at 27 years old, it's it's time to get out on Tyreek, or do you think he, he's potentially in line for a, a big bounce back season next year? I think if he was 27 years old and wasn't showing the same blistering speed that has set him apart from quite a few receivers, I'd be more worried, but he seems to retain that. And I think, as you say, there's been a few issues this season with uh, at a time, no one on this podcast, I'm sure, but at a time there was people questioning how good Mahomes was after a three-game stint. Um, so I hope to play with those in, in fantasy football going forward uh, because there were some ridiculous takes coming out there. But I think he is just a consistently safe pair of hands and he always seems to pop up. You always think, when well, when I think of him, it's always deep routes, blistering speed. But he always seems to be the guy that's catching touchdowns in the corner of the the end zone or like five yard throws to get a catch and he comes from nowhere and he just seems to do what he wants at times regardless of whether the route he's run has has worked. Mahomes buys you more time so Tyreek Hill can kind of improvise and I think him and Mahomes have have noticed that they've they've spoken about it this year anyway that 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 happens. I think he just offers so much as a player to one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league so I'm still in him for a for a, a few years because yeah, 27 and still showing that speed. So I think he'll bounce back next season when the whole Chiefs offense will be hoping to. And and Liam, do you think it's it's bounced back? Do you think we're going to be in a position where um, Tyreek is is back to the the kind of top five that we've seen in the last few years? I think it's very harsh calling Tyreek a bounce-back candidate because, yes, he was the wide receiver one, but the only way he's down from wide receiver one, you can't overachieve. So I think it's very harsh to call him a bounce-back candidate when he finishes the wide receiver six, especially after having such a tough like offensive display for, for a lot of the season to the point where some people, whether they know a lot about football or not, started questioning Mahomes and that entire offence. Um, that said, I do think he bounces back in quotation marks um, to the the top five that we used to seeing from him. Um, but yeah, just to echo what Danny said, really, he he's so quick and he, he just seems to do what he wants. The only concern I have with Tyreek is he's coming into his final year of his deal. Um, but I have no no real um, 
hesitations about him because I can't see the Chiefs ever letting him get to free agency, to be honest. No, I, I'm I'm not concerned about that. I think he's uh, he's likely to get re-signed at a you know a, a decent number. I wouldn't be shocked if they gave him, you know, he signed that three-year deal whilst he had some some legal troubles looming over him. So I wonder now he's had a couple of years where he's sort of been a good boy, shall we say? I think the Chiefs will look after him slightly longer term. One one thing I you know touching on what you said, Danny, about you know seeing him bursting deep. Um, so I just wanted to to rattle off some some quick numbers for you. So um, in 2018, he averaged 20 and a half points a game and he scored 43.5% of those fantasy points from deep passes, which are passes that are 20 yards or more from, from the large scrimmage. In 2019, he was at 48% of his points from deep passes. In 2020, he was at 33%. And then this year, he was at 18.6%. So he's gone from, you know, 30 to 40% to 18%. And I think that that's a huge amount of that is the shift that we've seen this year in how defences are playing the Chiefs. And I've talked about it a couple of times about this, you know, huge amount of those cover two shells and basically sitting back and saying to the Chiefs, you know, have 10, 15 play drives if you want to score, but you're not getting a quick one over the top. And I think that we've slowly seen Tyreek Hill kind of changed the type of receiver he is and he's seen a lot of more of those shallow crosses and those you know dig routes across the middle and I think that hopefully there will be another weapon brought into this offense I think you've seen you saw them go out and get Josh Gordon which I don't think brought the element they were hoping for and I wouldn't be shocked if we saw them make Simmons for the moves they did last year with their offensive line I think they're a, a target to whether it be go out and trade for um, you know, an, an established veteran that, that can be that kind of outside X receiver or whether they go out and get a, you know, maybe trade up for someone like a, a Burks or, or a Drake London um, in the draft um, to be that bigger bodied receiver to hopefully take some of that, you know, force teams out of that cover two shell because you, if you are going to sit back in that cover two shell, we're just going to bombard this this bigger body with some underneath targets, and that will free up some room for Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still excited about Tyreek Hill. He's he's my dynasty wide receiver four, um, and I I really believe in him moving forward. Um, and let's be honest, there's there's a lot worse quarterbacks to be tied to over the next few years than uh, than Patrick Mahomes. Um, gonna gonna try and speed things up now. We're we're getting into the back end of the kind of wide receiver ones. So um, Stephon Diggs, um, I guess it it was pretty much as you'd expect. Perhaps not not quite in the way that you'd hoped, but he was the wide receiver five coming in. Uh, he finished as the wide receiver seven. He, he's now the wide receiver eight. It kind of feels like he's that mid wide receiver one not 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 really going any higher not really going any lower what do you think Danny yeah I hate to admit it because it's Stefan Diggs he gave me the best moment of my football watching life with the Minneapolis miracle and then <laughs> slammed us again and, and left with a bit of a cloud we, we were given Justin Jefferson in that deal so it worked out but he he is just such a, a high flow guy and Josh Allen immediately built up this great rapport with him and I just he makes some unbelievable plays when he makes them consistently. Um, yeah, I think he's he's got a few years in Buffalo as, as the guy. And like you say, he's going to give you that mid wide receiver one range um, on a consistent basis. 
I do wonder, Liam, if he's, you know, I just said there, he's sort of, yeah, he's wide receiver one. We've sort of brushed over him. Do you, do you think he's almost entering that unsexy, perhaps a value at the moment? I don't know how much you can say of value at ADP wide receiver eight, but <laughs> um, I do think that he will put up consistent points like what he's done this season um, for the next two years. He is going to be in Buffalo for the next two years. Um uh, the, the thing that I have struggles with, he, he does have a significant savings on on him if they if the Buffalo Bills decide to cut him. I just don't see any reason for them to cut him. Um like when I say significant, I mean 2023, they would save roughly 14 million by cutting him. But I don't think you're ever gonna cut Diggs. I think that, that contract will get restructured if they ever needed to to uh, save anything there. Um, I, th- I think I don't think he's a value yet, just because I think this is kind of where we're going to see his production for the next two years, and it might not be pretty like it wasn't pretty this season. There were weeks where you just didn't see Diggs, and then there were weeks where we saw a lot of him. Um, but yeah, I think this is roughly the range that um, you, you kind of see him go at the moment i have him as wide receiver 11 in my rankings just because i think certain players um just have the age and are tied to better situations um than digs and that's crazy talk coming from so uh or for a guy that is tied to josh allen yeah, and uh, so moving on to wide receiver, I, I, I personally won't spend much time talking about this. I think people have probably heard me talk about him far too much <laughs> over the past 18 months. Um, it's Deontay Johnson, um, one of my my very much true loves, Danny. Do you think he's currently wide receiver 11 in ADP? It looks like he's going to have a new quarterback next year. Do you think he, he can sustain this kind of late end wide receiver one price or, or do you think that new quarterback coming in could be a, a good opportunity to uh, to move off Deontay? I hope that a new quarterback coming in leads a lot of people to sell him, namely to me and you, Rich, I'm guessing I'm hoping <laughs> Liam feels the same. Yeah. I already own him in most leagues, so don't worry about If you can that. have the productive season that he has had this year with Juju going down, um, Chase Claypool being sort of boom or bust, and having the corpse of the once great Big Ben throwing to him and still putting up those numbers, if you get anyone, whoever that turns out to be, that's accurate and gets him the ball, he's going to make things happen. So, yeah, I think he he's probably going to be up there top 10 for the next few years. Um, I'm hoping that people see him as a lot less than that, but I think that's probably his flaw for me. I just think he can can really go on and do some great things. Are you concerned about the new quarterback? No, I'm with Danny. The only thing I'd say is interesting is he's coming to the end of his contract after this year, after the 2022 season. So he might not be in Pittsburgh. I can't see them letting him go again because he's he's done so well with Big Ben or the corpse of Big Ben, as Danny put it. Um, I I can't see them letting him go. Apologies, Ben. Trust um, me, you, don't, you you never have to apologise to Big to Big Ben for anything. After uh, <laughs> should we say, uh, should we say with with his reputation, the the bloke doesn't deserve past. any apologies. Yeah. yeah. 
but let, let's bring it off bring it out of the gutter guys um Deontay Johnson I think I, I've got him as my wide receiver 10 and I'm the lowest out of all three of us I think that says everything the listeners need to know from what we think of him to be honest yeah I think he's he's entering that territory for me as best route runner in the league I think he's he's very much in that top three range now I'd probably throw Stefan Diggs at Keenan Allen and, and maybe you could argue sort of Calvin Ridley or Jerry Judy but he's he's very much in that tier for me and I think that it doesn't matter whose quarterback is going to be the, the guy just gets open um, so I'm not concerned at all um the next two again I'm going to lump these two together because I think they're they're an interesting kind of case study um and that's Mike Evans who finished as a wide receiver nine and Keenan Allen who finished as a wide receiver ten um so these guys have both dropped significantly in their ADP despite putting up wide receiver one seasons. So Mike Evans came into the year as the wide receiver 19. He's now the wide receiver 25 in ADP. Keenan Allen, um, you, someone might have to explain this to me, he was the wide receiver 13 coming into the season. He's now the wide receiver 28 despite putting up a, a wide receiver one season and uh, and having, you know, arguably the best young quarterback in the league throwing the ball. Do you, do you guys think that this is the dynasty community being ageist yet again and, and trying to get out too early on these guys? You know, they're 28 and 29 respectively. Danny, do you think that we've still got potentially a couple more seasons of, uh, of these guys being elite guys? 100%. I think it, it comes down to the age thing. With Evans especially, um, having hamstring injuries when you're an, an older wide receiver isn't a great... Injury to be having it's kind of feels harsh calling a twenty eight year old old. It's the dynasty community that's that's ancient. I turn twenty nine tomorrow. I'm I'm allowed. It's, He's twenty nine turning thirty next year, by the way. So, so yeah, you're looking at at those ages. I think that people are when you're talking about players like Jefferson um, at the top end of it and Jamar Chase. When you start to look at Evans and Allen, it feels like they've been around for so long that they should be older than they are. And it's just the experience thing. I've, I've, in my home league especially, which is the one that I'm keen to win year on year, I've got them both and don't plan on moving them because I think they are some key pieces. Um, when it comes to, to drafting going forwards or or prices, I think people are going to have different views, but it, it does become an age thing. Um, old for the sport of American football, not old in life. <laughs> that's me getting myself through my birthday tomorrow. So that's <laughs> I think these these two are two of my favourite buyers in the off-season. If I'm a contender, yeah. these are guys that I'm looking at to go and acquire because I think that, you know, particularly as people start to get infatuated with the rookies and uh, we start, you know, the year cycle of being age-obsessed, um, I do think that if you're paying wide receiver two, you know, potentially even wide receiver three prices for guys that I think you can pencil in as a wide receiver one, early wide receiver two, over the next couple of years, I'm, I'm feeling very confident if I'm a contender and I'm rostering those two. Um, we've talked to Liam about a couple of breakouts this year that kind of came out of nowhere, but perhaps the, the, the biggest out of nowhere player finished as wide receiver 11, and that's Hunter Renfro. So in August, ADP, um, so DLF, they went 96 receivers deep, and Hunter Renfro was not drafted as one of those top 96 receivers. He is currently the wide receiver 33 in ADP. Um, but obviously, as I said, had that, quite frankly, breakout year. Do you think that we can buy into Hunter Renfro for next year? Or do you think that it's, you know, he's going to settle back into that 
wide receiver three, wide receiver four range and, and just be a bit of a plodder moving forward. I mean, when, when you say buy-in, his current ADP is wide receiver 33, and I think that's perfectly fine with um, what we can expect from him next year. I, I My biggest concern is a lot of his high-scoring point games towards the end of the season was because of Darren Warner being out. Now, to start the season, he still wasn't bad. Let's, let's point that out. He still wasn't bad. He was still a really good wide receiver, but he scored and he was at the forefront of people's minds because Darren Warner wasn't around. I think maybe the the new coaching staff comes in and decides to bring in a wide receiver from the draft, and we've already, or I I keep banging on about it, and I'm going to keep banging on about it for the next few months. The wide receiver free agency class is looking great. So who knows that they could bring in two good wide receivers. and that significantly hurts Renfro. Equally, they might not bring in anyone of, of too much of a of note, and then Renfro still has a good a, a good role to play there. I think wide receiver three is a price I'm very willing to pay. He's very he's bordering on wide receiver four price at the moment, and I'm very willing to pay that to get an extra flex position. And Danny, do you think this is again the dynasty community becoming infatuated with the the sexiness of younger and other players, and you know the the third and Renfro is just uh, <laughs> perhaps not so sexy. Sees could be a great value again. Yeah, I think that's the first time in his life that Hunter Renfro has been called a sexy American football player. Um, <laughs> I drafted him in a few leagues because of third and Renfro, and I thought it'd be nice to see where his career went, and I wanted that to be on my rosters but he's just a player that I just don't I would never feel comfortable starting because I don't think he's going to make any big splash plays from listening to Derek Carr interviews this year he said how safe a pair of hands he is he breaks tackles he's always looking for the ball he's always in the right positions but then with all the issues that you've had with Waller injury um, Brian Edwards not playing out as people thought it might Deshaun Jackson Zay Jones are in there and then the Henry Ruggs Hunter Renfro was the guy that you kind of had to throw to. Um, I don't think he continues down this route, and he's just not someone I feel comfortable ever starting. So I don't think I'd, I'd really roster unless I was desperate. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one because I think he's he's one of these guys that you're probably going to find in the next couple of years his production will outweigh his price almost every year, and I think he'll be undervalued. But as you said, it's. You know, if, if he's your wide receiver four, then yeah, you're probably feeling good. But I just I just can't get excited about him as a you know wide receiver two, wide receiver three. And yes, he, he feels like he's he's not got the ceiling that others have got because of that sort of kind of possession nature. But he, he did have two top five weeks this year. Um but I, I do tend to agree with you. I think he's my wide receiver thirty. So um I can't sit here and say he's a great value when uh I've only got around three spots ahead of ADP. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, and then the, the final wide receiver in the top 12 was uh, Mike Williams, who it felt like burst onto the scene. Uh, should we say? I think it was the first four weeks. Um, completely exploded and then sort of drifted around a little bit. Had a few disappointing weeks before coming back all right down the stretch. I mean, Danny, he's a free agent heading into this off season. Do you think... 
that you know he he's going to come back to San. I said San Diego. Do you think he's going to come back to the Chargers, or, or do you think he could be finding a new home and therefore kind of dropping in terms of his value? The latest thing I read from Mike Williams is that he would like to stay, but of course you would want to stay with with that offense and Justin Herbert. I think he's a great big body receiver that makes huge plays. I was trying to buy him before this season knowing that he was going into free agency because I thought he'd have some really big splash games. Um, and I think he could excel if Keenan Allen wasn't opposite him um, in the same way that I think Michael Gallup before the injury um, that he had at the end of the season goes on to become maybe a wide receiver one in a different offense. He was that sort of player to me. Um, I think if he does come back, he's he's going to be better for fantasy because Justin Herbert throwing to you makes you a better player, I think. Um depending on where his landing spot would be. But yeah, from a fantasy point of view, I'd like to see him back in, not San Diego. I was going to do the same thing um, <laughs> back with the Chargers. Um, and I think that the Chargers might look to make that work because you want to surround such a good young quarterback with talent. And Mike Williams really is someone that complements Keenan Allen and, and Austin Eckler for, for that matter as well. Um, so yeah, I think he's he's a great player that, that deserves his his top 12 finish. Yeah. And Liam, do you think that would you be buying him now ahead of that potential free agency bump or, or do you think now's a good time to sell before his, his price can potentially plummets as, uh, as we head into free agency? I struggle with Mike Williams because he's only going as the wide receiver 35 in current ADP or December ADP. So is his price going to plummet that much? I don't think so. Um, I think it's a weird situation where if you've got him, you're probably looking at a mid-first plus. And if you're trying to get him for wide receiver 35 numbers, you're probably not willing to pay that. So he's what I'm probably trying to say is he's a hold, but I'm, I don't know whether this is me being overly cautious with a guy that I like because I, I don't want to see it happen again, but... I can see a Golladay situation happening. I know Danny, uh, Danny man- mentioned it earlier. I can see kind of a Golladay situation happening where he does go to a new team and then takes maybe a year to get into that system properly um, just because of how kind of out of the out, out, of, out of the way this season kind of came for Mike Williams. I don't know how you two feel about that because... Maybe it's me being a little bit cautious. I think, yeah, he's it's you know quite right to be concerned. I think he's got that potential. He's he's probably the highest named wide receiver that I think could potentially leave. Um, I think, as you said, Devontae Adams will be back. I think Chris Godwin's will be back. Um, so that kind of leaves him out there, and I think that he's going to be wanting to put himself in that probably. 15 to 18 million a year range. Um, and I'm just trying to load the um, the charges cap number now. But I think when you've got Justin Herbert potentially looming over it, I don't know whether you can be committing big money to... Um, oh, okay, I'll take it all back. They've got 72 million in cap space um, <laughs> this offseason. I don't, I don't, I'll take it back. I don't think Mike Williams is going anywhere with that number. Um, so, yeah, I expect him to be back. Um, so, yeah, I... It's hard because you—he's a one B, isn't he? I don't think he's ever going to be a one A in this offense, and and that caps that ceiling. Um, 
and I think that yeah, probably wide, he's my wide receiver thirty five. So I've, I've got him in that wide receiver three range. I just I don't particularly like these sort of boom bust options that uh, that rely on contested catches. So the 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 last that concludes kind of the top twelve. We've got a couple of names that we're in around the top twelve in terms of points per game. Um, so Antonio Brown finishes the wide receiver six in points per game. Um, we we won't touch on him too much, but, uh, but Chris Godwin uh, finishes the wide receiver sixteen, but it was actually the wide receiver eight in terms of points per game. Danny, do you think obviously coming off the injury could potentially um, not be fit for camp? Is a free agent? Do you think Godwin could be a sneaky kind of buy the injury dip, or or are you concerned about him come the start of next year? I think if you can get him for a price you're comfortable with he would be a buy during this injury dip my concern with his injury is the acl mcl tur tur that was the bolton tur <laughs> um but they said that it didn't have any damage to the meniscus which they were they were pleased about but still it's not a, a nice injury to have for a receiver that does a lot sort of over the middle he'll, he'll catch the short routes and he's got that speed i did worry about his longevity having that success coming off that injury and not maybe being able to have that that camp um, time either. But yeah, I think if, if you're comfortable with the price, um, I think you could probably buy the dip. And I'd, I'd be, I don't know if it's a dart throw for someone who is as good as Chris Godwin, but coming off that injury, having a dart throw at someone like that, if it doesn't pay out and he, he isn't the player he was, I'm not too upset because the upside is probably probably worth it if it does come off. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's it's a lot of question marks. As much as Chris Godwin is, you know, a fantastic receiver, and he is, you know, an elite player, an elite fantasy producer. He's coming off the injury. He's a free agent. His quarterback, you know, potentially is back next year. Are we expecting a forty-five-year-old Tom Brady to be elite again? But I can't get away from. Just, just how um, kind of good he is. Um, a little stat that I, I dug out. So he led the league this year in terms of points per game off of screens. Um, so he averaged five points per game just off wide receiver screens, whereas no other player averaged more than three. Um, so I think that that kind of comes back to if Brady's back, if he's back in Tampa, it's it's good for him. Um, but I am a little bit nervous. Um, that being said, he's he's still my wide receiver 13. Um, I'm still very comfortable going out and buying him because I think that, as you said, Danny, if you can buy any injury dip, um, I think it's a, a good time to grab him. Um, Liam, is there anything else you wanted to add about Chris Godwin before we uh, before we finish up? No, I think you've covered everything. The only concern for me is the wide receiver screens. We know that um, Arians likes to get the ball to his winning blockers, and um, maybe that is a, a pure Arians thing. I know that Matt LaFleur likes to do it as well, um, but it's not widespread across the league that wide receiver screens are the only way to get them the ball. So um, maybe Godwin does take a little bit of a dip um, if he does go to a new team, 
But apart from that, no, I th- I have him as my wide receiver 14 purely because I moved to the guy that we're about to talk about um, just above him before this part. I was I was gonna uh, was gonna basically skip him and not talk about him, but now you've teased him. I guess we have to. But that's that's T Higgins. <laughs> um, go on then, Liam. The, the floor is yours. You can have uh, thirty seconds on T Higgins. Purely because of his points per game stat. Um, I saw him as the wide receiver twenty four finish and didn't really um, think much of it. And then when I saw T Higgins was the wide receiver thirteen in points per game, that changed everything for me. Um, the fact that Chase was the wide receiver five and he could still be the wide receiver 13. Um, I think kind of blew me away a little bit. And that that is exactly where I've got him in my rankings. He's just outside of my wide receiver, uh, top 12 wide receivers. So I think Higgins going forward with him being young, um, that receiving call with Boyd and Chase is very stable for the next few years contract wise. Um I think there's there's no reason not to have Higgins pretty high right now. Fair enough. Yeah, hold hold to disagree with uh, with anything you said there. So, uh, Danny, thank thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, it's been lovely to get you back on. Um, where can uh, the listeners find you and follow you and uh, and that side of things? Yeah. So thanks for having me. It's been been great. Again, it's always great to chat with you guys and the time just flies by i hope it it does for the audience in the same way it does for us um because it feels like no time at all when you're talking about about this stuff um but yeah so i'm going to be returning to write exclusively for um five yard um and then everything will be pushed through through twitter and i'm going to start to become more active now i'm in a better mindset um at dynasty dan one or at Dynasty Danny, if you are drunk and squint. So um, <laughs> that will be the one. A few of Liam's cocktails and you might see it that way. But yeah, Dynasty <laughs> Dan won. And um, that's where I'll be back. So yeah, thanks for having me again, guys. It's been great. No, thank you very much. And, and Liam, final word for your, your playoff leagues? Yeah, so playoff leagues, I've got a sign-up sheet. Um, are live. If you go over to my Twitter, it's at the FSA Tweets. Um, it's my pin tweet. I will be tweeting it out during the week as well. Um, ten dollars. It will be going through League Safe. Um, there are three different formats, so you can choose which one. You can join all three if you really want to, and you you're really not done with scoring points. Um, so yeah, join up to those. And then uh, a five yard plug, Rich. I am I'm going to be opening up Dynasty Listener League signups in the next few days. I've got the form ready. Um, I want to rip, roll over that league because it's annoying me sitting there as a 2021 league in Sleeper. So um, if you go over to at 5-Yard Dynasty, um, you'll see that going up in the next few days and it will become a big pin tweet as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on again, Danny, and thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll be pre oh, reviewing, not previewing, the, uh, the tight end position. Um, with a very special guest and uh, yeah thank you very much we'll see you again next week live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. 
With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.